the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, friends. Welcome back to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. Aubrey, time to bring on an old friend of ours, somebody that we've had on many times uh, over the years, national religion writer at the Religion News Service, our friend Bob Smetana. Bob, how are you doing today? Good, Brian. How are you? Doing great, man. It's great to have you with us. We love to bring you on and just shoot to all fields. Yeah, you know, totally. You're the religion news writer. We love to shoot to all fields. Uh, a story Aubrey and I talked about yesterday and earlier today, uh, somebody that we've talked a lot about on the show, Scott Sauls. He's been oh, on the yeah. show. We talk about his book all the mm-hmm. time. I know you just recently wrote about the update that he resigned from his church after having been on a leave of absence. And I got to be honest, I was surprised to yeah. hear that he resigned. So help us understand the story for those who don't know. And were you surprised that it ended in a split? Um, I'm, I'm not. So this has been brewing for some time. Scott, there had been um, concerns about the work culture at the church mm-hmm. for a while. And it all came to a head last spring where he um, he apologized for some of the things going on, what, what was really an unhealthy work culture at the church yeah, and for the yeah. way he treated folks. He talked about sort of silencing people from the pulpit and um, then took a leave of absence uh, and which the, the um, Presbyterian of Nashville, uh, he's a, in the Presbyterian church USA. No, excuse me. Presbyterian church in America. Mm-hmm. They, they, they also suspended him. And then, um, this past week, he resigned from the church after six months. And then the, the Presbytery lifted his um, suspension so he could go back, be a pastor somewhere else. But, you know, there's a lot of this is not an easy time to be a pastor. Not too. Yeah. Long. And uh, I think some of the there's a, I think some rethinking of the ways that um, churches have been led. There was a real, you know, as you know, in the Bill Hybels era, there was a real approach of sort of corporate top down, run this like a business. The pastor is in charge. That's right. Let's have a very small council that everyone, you know, uh, all the, all the um, authorities is vested there. And um, sometimes that can have downsides. And one of the downsides is often that the, that saying no to the pastor is seen as, saying no to God or, right. or mm. getting the pastor's way. Mm. And so some of the most yeah. efficient ways of doing things often are the most uplifting. And so I think yeah. that there, it is, it's, 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 uh, it's, um, it was surprising because his, his sort of approach to uh, Christianity was a very much, yeah. let's be gentler with each other. That's right. right. So he really, right. But, you know, it's hard. These things are hard to live out. But it sounds like the church culture was really bad. And Mm. uh, sometimes, you know, when people point out problems, it's easier to sometimes get rid of the person pointing out the problem than to deal with the problem. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I think that was that was kind of Brian and I were like because of his, you know, what he has put out in the world as far as gentleness and 
been pretty authentic about his own struggles. I think Brian and I were both like, oh, man, you again, yeah. it's another story you hate to hear. And there are some of these leaders that are so bombastic, it doesn't totally surprise you. But with Scott Sauls, it felt a little bit surprising. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there have been a number of questions. Yeah, there have been a number of um, situations in the Presbyterian Church in America where this has happened, where there have been um, cl- clashes with clergy. And I, mm. some of it, I think, I mean, every every role, every um, organizational model has issues, right? I think yeah, there are sure. some issues where um, both the administrative and the spiritual authority are put in uh, a pastor's hands and then those lines can get crossed, right? So you say, well, wait. Uh, um, and the pastor often, not often, at some point, and some pastors won't have a lot of control instead of empowering people. So they, they've had a series of these kind of issues. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah so sad. Another, another leader that you wrote about recently was Mike Bickle at IHOP. And talk to us about that story. Oh, that's a really, so that's still developing, but there okay. are, um, Mike Bickle is the head of IHOP. It's the International House of Prayer. They launched, you know, if folks remember the 24-7 prayer movement. Mm-hmm. That's right. And they've been really big. They're a charismatic um, uh, movement. So mm-hmm. a couple, uh, I think it's a couple weeks ago now. So he preached a sermon about um, there might be false allegations coming out. And then <laughs> right after that, there was a um, there's a report uh, from some former leaders that there had been ongoing sexual misconduct oh, involving um, and that the the uh, church leaders felt like this was these were credible multiple witnesses. And uh, so now Michael, Michael is not, uh, he's, I don't know if he's officially suspended, but he's not preaching or teaching. They're doing an investigation. They just switched investigators. They had a hired one law firm and that there were concerns about that law firm among the survivors. So now they've had another mm, law firm. Okay. But wow. the, um, I actually, I heard about it from someone I know connected there who felt really strongly mm. that these were um, serious allegations. Wow. So, yeah. yeah. Mm, sad. Uh, Bob, let me take us down a different path. Uh, election coming up. We're less than a year away. And in the evangelical world, there's a there's a phrase that is more and more you've written on it, all the Christian nationalism. Mm-hmm. And it's this kind of phrase that's being thrown around that I think is important for people for us to define. Mm-hmm. So let me put you on the spot and ask, A, how would you define Christian nationalism and why is it such an important uh, kind of front burner topic right now? Oh, that's a great question. So it is hard to define. It is. So there's there's regular God and country patriotism, which is pretty common, right? People believe in God. They they want to support their country. We see a lot of that. Christian nationalism is a is an idea that America belongs just to Christians and that mm. Christians should remain in power mm. even if they're not in the majority. So that mm. the only way to have America is that it belongs to Christians, only Christians belong here, and they're the only ones should be in power. And that anyone who doesn't fit as a Christian, mm-hmm. and often that's a you know a particular kind of Christian, yeah. is therefore an enemy. So it, right. it's a, wow. there's, a, there's a book on this called Taking America Back for God, and the, mm-hmm. the taking back um, part is really important. And this grew, um, it really, so in American history, we've always had um, what we call civil religion, Mm -hmm. which is the kind of like back, you know, the cultural religion, which is in in the U.S. history has been Christianity. But um, Christian nationalism really grew up 
in the early 1900s, sort of in part a response to um, the rise of communism hmm. and in part uh, uh, a concern about um, race mm-hmm. and a concern about labor issues. And so it really became uh, so there's there's a um, there's an early uh, magazine called The Cross and the Flag, which lists right. 10 issues of uh, 10 priorities of Christian nationalism, which is one is, you know, it's America's just for Christians. Wow. It's very anti-Semitic, very wow. anti-Black. Wow. Uh, there was a, there's a famous priest called Father Coughlin, same sort of thing. It's America's wow. just for the Americans. So this is kind of re, um, now it's hard to, it is hard to, um, it's hard to see sometimes because it exists alongside sort of more what we call comfort food, Christian nationalism. <laughs> which is the God and country, we love America, we yeah, have a flag wow. and a church, like the kind of sentimental and sometimes mm. aspirational ideas yeah. of Christianity. Wow. So, um, so it's not the idea that if you say, I want to live my Christian values, you know, that pe- right. everyone is, is created in the image of God and that peace and justice for all are important, sort of the things in the Declaration of Independence. That's mm. not Christian nationalism. Well, Christian nationalism is that, is more of a, it's a more of a tribal thing that America is the the possession of Christians, and so it leads to what they call um, participatory anti democracy, mm-hmm. so that people get really excited about acting in ways that are undemocratic, and and consolidate power in right. the hands of a particular particular group. So mm-hmm. there's, it's this makes it hard to so it's hard to test for this. Right. It's hard to because some of the things that sound um, because you ask somebody, is America a Christian nation? Well, what does that mean? Does it mean most people there are Christian? Does that mean Christian values or ideas played a really important role in the Christian in the country's formation? Or does it mean that Christians own the country and therefore must be in charge? And then if America Christians are not in charge, it's somehow not Christian and not mm, American anymore. Mm, so it's a hard, this is a very hard line to, it is. good. It's hard to it do is. testing for it. So a lot of folks have ideas which which uh, border on Christian nationalism, right? That the idea yeah. that religion is important in America, the idea that 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 Christianity had a, a, a for, you know, is important in the formation of the country. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That sounds like Christian, but what makes Christian nationalism different is the, is the um, exclusionary nature of it. Gotcha. And that it's explicitly Christian and that Christian, only Christians should vote. Gotcha. Only Christians should be in charge. Gotcha. And um, which runs, which kind of runs counter to the kind of idea of having a democracy. Right. Right, right, right. I thought it important to ask that because we got an election coming in a year oh, and there's man. a lot already yes, yeah. talk <clears throat> of you know, this. Yes. One of the questions, I mean, some of the questions, bigger questions we're all facing is how does a country that was majority Christian and majority mm-hmm. white Christian for most of its history, but but made space for lots of other folks now deal with the fact that it won't be majority Christian. That's right. So by 2070, if the if the current trends remain the same, that less than half the population will be Christian. Well, yeah. that's a different universe mm-hmm. than, and actually, most right now, less than half the population is white and Christian. Yeah. yeah. So it's a different set of people in charge. So yeah. you have identity questions of how does this all work? Yeah. And do the is the way that America ran with a civil religion when everyone was mostly Christian? How is that different from an America where people are not Christian? Yeah. Right. Civil right. religion changed. 
that's a big, right. that's a, it's a, it's an identity question it's that we're not having a good, question. we're not having an easy time um, resolving. Answering. That's right. right. Fascinating. That's right. Hey, if you want to read more about this sort of stuff, I would encourage you to go pick up Bob's book called Reorganized Religion. Really good book. I'd encourage you to go pick it up. Also follow Bob uh, on Twitter, and you can also read him at the Religion News Service. Bob, we always love having you on. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Great to be. And thanks for that question. It's a really important one. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I appreciate it. We'll have you on again soon, I'm sure. Between now and the election, we'll talk again. You're listening to The Common Good, AM 1160. Hope for your life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.